What does the name the Lord of hosts mean? Does anybody know? Does anybody know what it's associated with in the Bible? Armies, Armies war, fighting. It's, it's, it's these things. So the Lord of hosts or some variant of it appears in the Bible uh, 284 times in the Old Testament. If you, if you have a Bible program and you look up the Lord of hosts, you're going to find that it comes up a lot. Uh, unlike Jehovah Nissi that comes up in mainly in one story. So here are a couple of them. And I just want you to think through this as I give you just a number of passages in the Old Testament that have this. Isaiah 124, Therefore saith the Lord of hosts, the mighty one of Israel, Ah, oh, I will ease uh, me of my adversities and avenge me of my enemies. So you, you see adversities and enemies. It says in Zechariah 9.15, The Lord of hosts shall defend me, shall defend them, and, and they shall devour and subdue uh, sling and stones. It says in Zechariah 10.3, For the Lord of hosts hath visited the flock, the house of Judah. He hath made them as goodly horses in the battle. So you think about a lot of times when you find the word or, or, or the, the Lord of hosts, it's associated with battle. It's associated with war. It's associated with going up against the opposition. It's how God fights for us. So you could say, and maybe this is going to be a question that I ask you guys in the future, what is a name that represents God and the God of battle? The Lord of hosts. Or what is the name of God that represents him as a warrior? It's the Lord of hosts. So we're going to break this down and then we'll go into a story at the end of it that kind of does this. But it says in there, he says uh, in Isaiah 44, verse 6, Thus saith the Lord, the King of Israel, and his Redeemer, the Lord of hosts, I am the first, I am the last, uh, and beside me there is no God. He is the almighty warrior he is the Redeemer, and he even says that if you don't know what the name Redeemer, and there's a lot of definitions, but it, it could be used as a, he's the Deliverer. He, that, that's who he is. But in that description, he says, I am the first and I am the last. To, tying it into the majesty of God or the authority of God or God being Almighty God. And some people even interpret uh, the Lord at post as being the Almighty God, which I know is tied into a lot of other names of God as we go there. So... Um, the Lord of hosts is, could be defined as the Lord of heaven's army, the Lord of almighty, the Lord of hosts. So we ask to ask the question, and, and this is what we do in this class, is we begin to break this down now. What is a host? Who can tell me when you think of heavenly hosts, what is the number one passage of Scripture that probably comes into your mind with that? Who can tell? I'm, I'm going I'm to test your brains. Luke 2. Uh, and, there, and then suddenly there was in the heavens a heavenly host praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest and on earth peace, goodwill to men. The word host means a mass of persons organized for war. It means battle or company. It means soldiers or service. It means warfare. So we, we see this when they announced that Jesus was born. It was done with this heavenly host. It was, the, the, I can't, can we, we can't even imagine, we can't even put it in the words, the description of what that would be like. But it's just, our, our minds just go crazy thinking about what that would look like. The, 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 the greatness of God filling up the heavens with all of these heavenly hosts announcing and proclaiming that Jesus was born. So, see, heavenly host is saying that God is the one that is in charge of the army of heaven. And why is that so important? Yeah, I thought about this because when we think of an army, 
or we think that we wrestle not against flesh and blood, we automatically go to the evil side of it, don't we? I mean, you think about it. We, we think of uh, fallen angels and demons and, you know, Satan has his army and stuff like that. But at the same time, the Bible is saying, like I preached, I think, a week before last about uh, the, that we, you know, the gates of hell should not prevail against it. The description in the Bible was talking about kingdom against kingdom. We, we are up against the kingdom. But let's not forget, guys, that we are the kingdom of God. It's not just that we're like, man, we're just, we're fighting against the gates of hell. And God says, um, can I remind you I'm the king of kings? You fight for me. And on my side of it, I, I am the warrior that's never lost. I, I, I am the, the king of all the hosts. I am the ar- king of all the armies. I don't think we fully understand this because I don't know if the Bible really goes into great detail as for like the armies of angels. You, you know what I'm saying? About, I, there, there, sometimes the Bible pulls back a little glimmer of heaven and we kind of see that. But I don't know if I fully understand that. You know, it's like, you know, when they say that you have a guardian angel and I've done studies on that, I've done Wednesday night studies on that with you guys. And it's a lot of it's, it is somewhat of a mystery, you know what I'm saying? And, and sometimes we take things too far and, and almost worship the angels more than the creator. And we don't want to do this. But let me show you just a vision of the heavenly host, if you would, that the Bible talks about. First Kings 22, 19. And he said, hear thou, therefore, the word of the Lord. I saw the Lord sitting on his throne in the host of heaven, standing by him on his right hand and on his left. I, I don't know if we can even imagine the, the imagery of this. It's just beyond description. Let, let me pull heaven to earth for a minute. OK, let me show you this. And the servant, and this is when Elisha was with his servant, and they were overwhelmed. And Elisha's servant comes up to him and says, we're doomed. We're outnumbered. There's nothing we can do. So, and Elijah goes crazy to God and he says, God, will you pull back his, his blindness and help him see the spiritual realm for a minute? And, and I think this is just so fascinating. And when the servant of the man of God was risen early, he'd gone forth and behold, the host compassed the city both with horses and chariots. And his servant said unto him, Alas, my master, how shall we do? And he answered and said, Fear not, for they that be with us are more than they be with them. Now, I mean, I think that is so cool, guys. Is that not cool? I, I'm sure it was probably like, okay, you're, you're all hyper-spiritual. You know, you're all hyped up. At it. I mean, you were all night praying and now you have this spiritual high that you're on or whatever. It's like, and he's like, dude, I want you to go outside right now and see that we are, we are definitely outnumbered and there's two of us, okay? So don't tell me that there's more of us and more of them. And Elijah prayed. And he said, Lord, I pray thee, Open his eyes that he may see. And the Lord opened the eyes of the young man, and he saw, and behold, the mountain was full of horses and chariots of fire round about Elisha. Does that not give you guys chills? Yeah. I, I just, that, that just excites me. It's just, it's just thinking about the spiritual war that's going on, but knowing that we don't fight alone, that God stands with us, that, and by, everything that we read like this, it's, you can put your emphasis on, wow, those angels are awesome. No, the God of those angels is awesome. Don't lose the focus. Dominic? It's angels against men, the Syrian army. And one angel can kill 10,000 men. Yeah. It's amazing. And you got all of them. This almost makes me want 
to roll into something after this about a study on this stuff because it's, I, I think this is fascinating. That's what we do on Wednesday night is we do deep, deep dives into these things. Let me just read it again. I just want to. And behold, the mountain was full of horses and chariots of fire round about Elijah. So even the description of them was, was of, guys, remind me, what is fire in the Bible also often a description of? Judgment. Well, judgment, that's true. But it's other, Holy Spirit, power, fire is, you know, revival or the presence of something. The, the, and the, the Spirit of God came down in, in Acts chapter 2, like as to fire. Uh, when, when we see the fire come down with Elijah where he prayed down, it was, it was not just judgment in that passage, but it represent the presence of God or the power of God. Even when we have things like the pillar of fire that was led of the children of Israel. You know, so there's a lot of descriptions that we have uh, when, when, uh, when the Pharaoh's army was going after them and we, we see the God's presence through the fire and things like that. So we, we know that it's, it's that as well. So I know we don't wrestle just against flesh and blood. The Bible tells about a real war that we wrestle against is against the things that we can't see. But this is reminding us that God has an army and we serve the Lord of this army. And, and so I, I want to point out a couple other things. He is the Lord of hosts. Capital L, capital O, capital R, D. Let me remind you that that means something as well. Because it could have been... Lord is for lowercase, which would have been, what's the name for that? Adonai? So Adonai is master. So we could have been, he's master of the host. And that would have been like, wow, that's awesome. Because he is the, the master of all of them. But this goes on to say Jehovah is the personal name for God. So is when you tie that into it, it's like he is, he is the king of the army let me, let me change it. No, no, he's the one that fights with me and for me. You've got to make it personal because God made it personal in this. It is, it's, it's the, the Lord of war is with me. The, war, the Lord of battle is with me. My God fights for me. Let me show you this of what does the Lord of hosts do. Let me give you an illustration of this because I love uh, demonstrating this as we go through this. This is a story that we've already did, so I almost wasn't going to put it in there, but this is a description of the, the God of war. Now, let me ask you guys, when the children of Israel left Egypt, were they great warriors? No. They, 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 were, they didn't know how to fight at all. Actually, they knew the opposite. They, know how to, they knew how to take a whooping. That's what they knew. They, they, they were slaves. They, they were not. They were oppressed. They, they were probably weak and scarred and, and abused and everything. They, they were just not. Does everybody know what a whooping is? I'm from the South, so I just didn't know if I need to clarify. <laughs> I say things like that, they were like, he definitely grew up in Alabama. <laughs> Let me show you this in action. Uh, Exodus 14, 13, And Moses said unto the people, Fear, fear ye not, stand still, and see the salvation of the Lord which will show you today. For the Egyptians whom ye have seen today, ye shall see them again no more forever. Now this is the phrase, and we already talked about this because we were talking about God being Jehovah Rapha, that God was leading them to the, to the God that heals, overcomes their past. The Lord shall fight for you, and ye shall hold your peace. So what could you do? I mean, guys, you tell me. What could they do? Nothing. Nothing. That, that is not what we do. 
If we would have been at the Red Sea, guys, we would have all been blowing up rubber duckies and jumping in the water. I mean, we would have made a way when there was no way. That's what we do. We, 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 we try to open doors when God doesn't. But God said to them, was like, hold your peace, just stop. And He wasn't just telling them to stop. He was telling them to stop and watch. Because He was, he was saying, I'm going I'm to do something for you. The Lord's going to fight for you. Look at verse, uh, chapter 15, verse 3. Same story. The Lord is a man of war. Now, don't take that out of context. It wasn't pulling God down to our level, but it was talking about a description of God so that we could understand it, that God is a man of war. He, he is a warrior. He fights for us. Uh, the Lord is His name. Now, if you guys realize that a lot of times when the Bible puts God into situations, you think about that he has a name above every name. In the name of the Lord, every name, everyone should bow. There's power in the name of God. So when I'm in a situation where I'm like stuck and I can't do anything for myself and I can't get out, you guys have to understand that I'm going to call on the Lord of hosts. I'm, I'm gonna, because I'm calling him out for what I know him to be able to do. It's, it's, it's a description of God. Notice how it finishes in verse 6. Thy right hand, O Lord, has become glorious in power. Thy right hand, O Lord, is, have dashed in pieces the enemy. And in his greatness, thine excellency, thou hast overthrown them that rose up against thee. Thou sentest forth thy wrath, which consumed them as stubble. Man, they were in a difficult place, but the Lord of hosts was on their side. It's, it's amazing the comfort that this brings us. It's, it's, it's amazing knowing it doesn't matter how powerful the enemy was. Every time we read about the Lord of hosts, it's a demonstration that God was always greater. And God would sometimes demonstrate, I'll show you that here in a minute too, about how great the power of the enemy is. Because it's so overwhelming going, there is just no way. And then that's when God, you know, uh, demonstrated his power at the last minute for, for them to uh, show them this. So when do we see this name in scripture? We see it in time of crisis. We see it when we're outnumbered. We see it when they're overwhelmed by the enemy. He presented himself in Scripture as the defender. The one that when you can't fight, he steps in front of you and says, stay behind me. Let me fight for you. Let me fight with you. So there's a time in the Bible that this name was used, and I think it is so overlooked in Scripture that I'm going to tell you a story that was probably taught in this class and in the basement of this building over and over again. What is the story that we find in 1 Samuel chapter 17? David and Goliath. So if any of you guys came to man up this year, this was my passage, so this is going to overlap a little bit, but hang with me. Uh, this, wasn't the, this wasn't the main part of my message. Uh, this, this, this story demonstrates the name of God in a very real way. So during this time, the king was Saul, and Saul was not a very good king. They go up against the Philistines and they were being pushed back. And so you've got this valley and the children of Israel on one side and you've got the Philistines on the other and they were going at it. Which, which side would you say was actually winning at, the side, at that time? Philistines. The Philistines were. And if you read the story, there's different descriptions of them being pushed back. They had somebody going, on, going out to them every day going, let's go, let's go. And I think that's important to understand. But if you take the side of God's people... You think about everything that God gave them. They had resources. They had experience. They were God's people. They were not new to war. They, they, they had people. They, they stood on the sideline with an army. They literally physically had an army. 
Uh, they, they had a leader. Saul was a warrior. Actually, that's why they wanted him to be the king. It's because he was head and shoulders above everyone else. It was the description that he was a mighty warrior. See, the thing is, you can have all the resources in the world and you still can be pushed around by the enemy. See, what I'm saying is, there, we don't wrestle against flesh and blood, but sometimes the battle that we're in, we have this mindset of, what do I do that I can physically do to bring down the enemy? And guys, I don't mean to always bring this up, but let me tell you, I think of this all the time. I think of the, the, the place that God's put me and my family in to where I am so thankful that I'm in Columbus, Ohio. Do you guys, does anybody know what I mean by that when I say that I'm thankful for Logan and being in Columbus, Ohio? When I grew up in Huntsville or Decatur, Alabama, we had Huntsville, we had a little bitty hospital that was 45 minutes away. Let me say that again. A little bitty hospital that was 45 minutes away. God's blessed us in a city that we have like eight major hospitals, five and 10 and 20 minutes away. Besides Riverside and OSU and Nationwide Children's Hospital and you uh, go up to Grant and you just all over here, all the Mount Carmel's that we have and everything is just, just like overflowing with the blessings of, of what God's done. It's just all around us. And then we have the James Hospital right down the street. And God opened the door for us to go down to MD Anderson. And guys, let me just say through all of those things, I am thrilled and thankful for the, the, the experience and the knowledge and all those things. But if I ever get to the point where I think my hope is in those things, that I've already lost the battle. Yeah. See, it wasn't a matter of how many tents and how many spears and how many... The whole point that they were this is the Lord will fight for you. But as long as I'm thinking, I've got to grab another spear, if I had a sharper sword... Can I, can I ask you guys in this story, what did, what did they send David out with or they tried to send David out with when he went to fight the Goliath? Saul's armor. Saul's armor. You need this sword and this and this. And David's like, well, wait a minute. That's not what God's calling me to do because the whole point of that story was the fact that God was going to do a work on that day. It wasn't, God did it. They didn't want to say, wow, Saul's armor is the best. Well, you know, thank God for his armor. They wanted to go out there and say, Does that, that boy has nothing. What, he's, he's, this is suicidal. He has nothing. He's just running towards there with, you know, like a, 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 a bag full of rocks and, and a sling. Let me, let me show you this in context, okay? He hears the enemy pushing God's army around, and, and there went out a what? You guys tell me. There went out a what? A champion. Do you know the Bible is very specific as it explains this? There went out a champion. Let me describe a champion to you guys for a minute, okay? In verse 23, it says, And he talked with them, and behold, there came up a champion, the Philistines of Gath, Goliath by name, uh, the armies of the Philistines, and he spake according to the same words, and David heard them. He was a visual of the greatest thing that they had to offer. He had a name. He had a reputation. He was victorious. That's what a champion is, guys. We, we, are, we are proud to wear the shirts, the Buckeyes, you know, because we, we have won so many championships. We're, we're proud of that. And it's been a while, and we need to make a comeback, but that's another story for another time. <laughs> But the whole thing was he was intimidating. Do you realize that what they were not running out to fight was this representation of being a champion? 
And guys, let me just, I'm going to preach and try, I'm not going to try, I don't need to preach right now, but I want to preach right now. Do you realize how many champions Satan has sent into our world? And what do we do? We back off, we sit on the sidelines, and we just throw up the white flag. I think the drug problem that we have, and depression that we have, and anxiety that we have, and the rebellion that we have, and we, and we just, all these things that are just so overwhelming. I would personally, and just in my world, I, I, think of, I think of cancer like this, because every time I think of cancer, I, I think of bad things. And I just think of it just being one of those things that has a big mouth that has ran its mouth for years and years. And when we hear the word Goliath, they would back off. And when we hear the word cancer, we hear the word drug abuse. When we, you know, when we talk about a heroin addiction, we're just like, oh my goodness, you know, only 10% of people that are hooked on heroin ever recover. And we just back off. Do you understand that these stories are in the Bible not just to entertain us? If we ever get to the point where we think that we have to stop listening to the stories of David and Goliath because we're no longer in fourth grade, we don't understand the story of David and Goliath. He was a champion. And David spake, verse 26, And David spake unto the men and stood by him, saying, What shall be done to this man that killeth the Philistine and take away the reproach of Israel? Do you understand? He said, let's get rid of this disgrace because he keeps mocking who we are and what we stand for. Somebody needs to shut his mouth. And David said unto Saul, Let no man's heart fail because of him. Thy servant will go and fight the Philistine. Now let me just think, what in the world was going through David's mind? I mean, because everybody around was just like, this is going to be entertaining. We're going to send a child to bring down the champion. Do you, do you understand, the guys, the concept of this? David was not a not champion part of an army. He was the delivery person for cheese. Can we put this in context? He was just delivering groceries. He was the least expected, the least capable, the most unexpected out of everybody. But the thing was, he knew something that the rest of them did not know. The Lord of hosts. And said, well, you're just reading into that. Let's keep reading. Let's see. So David knew God in a deep, personal way. And if you were here for Man Up, I was talking about, the, I, I went back and talked about the anointing of David and how God said, I know a man that looks for me or searches out me. And you can go back in the previous chapters of that. It wasn't just a matter of that day that Samuel showed up to anoint David. David was already a man after God's own heart. See, David was a man of war, but not in the war that we think of. It was different. Now look at David approaches the champion. Listen to what he says. And David says to the Philistine, Thou comest to me with a sword and with a spear and with a shield, but I come to thee in the name of the Lord of hosts, the God of the armies of Israel, whom thou hast defiled. Now can we just stop and make the, to point out the obvious in this? He goes, what, what, is, the, what is the two comparisons? You guys, you guys help me out with this. You come here, and, but I come here. What was the comparison? What, what did, what, what did uh, Goliath have? Big sword, big, big, sh- big short, uh, sword, big shield. You know, and and if, if you go back a little bit, he's talking about all the descriptions of everything that he had. He said, dude, you've got a lot of stuff. But I don't come to you with a lot of stuff. 
You want to know why churches fail or succeed? It's not because of our stuff. It's not because of our stuff. Can I just point out, this room is a very cool room. Okay, it is a very cool room. Uh, guys, we'll, we'll do it afterwards, but the whole back wall lights up, and, and it's, it's got the lights, the Fuel City lights up, there's LED lights that go down the side of this when we turn them on, the headlights come on in the car, uh, all, all the, the lights above the, uh, the, the ice cream shop in the corner, the, all, they all light up and change colors and all that stuff. It's super cool, but let, can I just be honest with you? It's just stuff. But I tell you, if, if we have the right teachers that walk in this room with the Word of God, and they understand that they're teaching the kids the authority of God's Word, that's where the power lies. Yes. All of this stuff is just tangible stuff. It's just stuff. It's just tools. It's just... It, this, this table is not... There's no power. It just holds my Bible that has the power of the Word of God. But he said, I come to you in the name of the Lord of hosts. It wasn't just the Lord of hosts. I come to you in the name of the Lord of hosts. It represents, the name represents power. He says, who are you? It's, it's like, I am so-and-so. He's talking to you. Let me tell you the name of the person that I represent or the God, because they had their own gods. He was declaring the name of the Lord of hosts, the God of the armies of Israel. It's talking about, I come to you with something greater. David doesn't mention what he has. He mentioned who he has. There's a difference. This is how he fights the battle. And, and this is how we fight our battles. This is, we don't fight alone. I said, that's, that's the point of it. He was literally going out to him and he says, dude, you can only see me, but I'm not fighting by myself. Guys, that's, that's what we have to, just the closer you get to God, the more we're going to understand this. You don't fight by yourself. It's, it's the God that fights with you. So David was thinking, I, you know, when I said that earlier, what was going through David's mind? David's mind was like, I'm not going out there alone. He, he, he literally, one of the first things out of his mouth is like, hey, I know you can't see him, but I'm, I'm fighting with God right here. The God of angel armies. It was about someone having a touch with God on his life because David knew who God was. Verse 46, this day will the Lord deliver thee into my hand and I will smite thee and take thy head from thee and I will give thy carcass to the host of the Philistines this day unto the fall of the air and to the wild beasts of the earth that they, the, the earth may know that there is a God in Israel. You guys, if, and, I, and I feel like, you know one of the reasons why we've got to fight against all the garbage of this world? To shut the mouths of the giants that keep pushing our families around. Because it's just, you're like, oh, my kid's dealing with this, my kid's dealing with this, and I'm dealing with this, and my marriage is dealing with this. It's, it's just, but David was saying, I'm out here because I want to bring down your champion so that all the world around us will know that there is a living God. Yes. And I, I think that, that has to be our motive in a lot of the things that we do. It's not just a matter of, we want to win, and I want to be victorious. No, there's, it's all for the glory of God. It's all for the pointing of God. Can I just point this out? I pointed this out with the guys when we did this, and I just think it's funny. If you saw your little brother run out to a giant, and you're already like, don't say anything stupid. Don't say anything stupid. Just throw your rock and run back. And he's like, 
I'm going to rip your head off. I'm going to feed you to the birds. I'm going to... And they're probably like, David, stop. Stop. Don't make him mad. You know, because that's literally what he does. He said, I'm going to take thy head from thee. I'm going to give your carcass. Why'd you, Dude, why would you have to say carcass? He's like, I'm going to rip you into shreds. Anyways, it's funny. So, but it it wasn't, I'm making a kind of light of it, but guys, honestly, what it was is he was going out there in the confidence of God. That's what he was doing. He was just going out there with the confidence of God. I'm not, and he he gave all the credit to the Lord because he said, this day the Lord will deliver thee. It was going all the way out to, to, to giving the glory to God. So visualize this. This really happened, okay? And it came to pass, verse 48, when the Philistines arose and came and drew nigh to meet David, that David hasted and ran toward the army to meet the Philistine. Can I tell you how much that convicts me? When the enemy rises up its head, he did the polar opposite of what Saul did with the the, the army. They kept backing up and sitting. And David rises up and he runs. And I think if if there's something about bringing down the enemy that we face today, we just need people with guts. We need people with conviction. We need people with passion that are not going to sit but run. You guys know why on Sundays, and I can't wait, please come Sunday, please come Sunday, to get off the bench and talk about the things that I'm going to talk about Sunday. It's because it's not a matter of being observers, guys. We are not observers of what God's called us to. David was not sitting on the sidelines whatsoever. David got up and ran towards the battle. He ran towards it. It was just, and I think about this, and guys, you, you, and I know I'm trying not to preach to you. This is just so passionate in my heart. I, I, I just think when it comes to this, I want, to keep, I want my kids to see dad run. I don't want them seeing me back off like, oh, I don't know what to do. I want them to know, man, my dad got up and he just ran towards the enemy to knock him down. And guys, we're not going to do that unless we know that greater is he that is in me than he that is in this world. It's got to come with conviction. May our kids and our grandkids see us run to the giants in the name of the Lord. And in verse 49, and David put his hand in his bag and he took out thence a stone and he slang it and smote the Philistine in his forehead and the stone sunk in his forehead and he fell upon the face of the earth and David prevailed over the Philistines with a sling and with a stone. You know why the Bible describes that again? Because it wasn't with stuff. I mean, it was with stuff, but it was a matter of so much insignificant stuff. That's, that, that's why you have... Uh, 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 Samson, that you know, with the jawbone of a donkey. You, you think, about, and I know I've said all this before, but every time God used stuff, it was so insignificant stuff. We talked about this with Jehovah Nissi. It's like, what's in your hand? It's a stick. It's like God says, throw it on the stick. Well, wow. He said, so as that stick is in your hand, so you'll be in mine. It's not about the stuff. I little is much when God is in it. The, the doctor at MD Anderson, and forgive me if I talk about this too much, she said, do you understand that your son's chemo is one of the most ineffective chemos that there is on the market for your son's cancer right now? She said it's popular, but it's only effective when you combine it with other chemos, and you're not doing that. 
She says, the, the, the results of that are so slim. And she said, on top of that, did you know that they don't even have you on a full dose? They have you on a smaller dose. She said, son, you, it would, and I can't remember how she said it, but to, some, to the nature, it would take an act of God for this to work. And I just was like, huh, maybe we're on the right track. <laughs> you know, it's just like, she said, she said, I hope you are the one kid that comes back and proves me wrong. You know, Logan was on that little pill for the last eight months and then it stopped working. She said, she just, she spun around her chair and she looked at us and she said, by the way, can I just say this? She said, the results that you got happened less than 2% of the time. You know, we said that it, ha- it was less than 15% of the time that it ever shrinks cancer. She said, with the results that you have, she said, you are a freak of nature for the results that you got on that. Now, I know I should be a little bit like upset even sharing that story with you because it failed, okay? But I don't know if it failed or if God was just transitioning into something else because I had no desire to maintain this cancer. I have a desire to bring down the giant. There is a difference. So this isn't about a story of about a rock, guys. So don't put the story about the rock. What is it a story about? The Lord of hosts. Just don't forget that when He ran out there, they're like, who are you? Doesn't matter, but I do have a name for you. The name is the Lord of hosts. That's the name that matters. Only God could do this. It was the Spirit of God. It was miraculous power. It was something that God was displaying. So this is my favorite part, and, and I know I'm just preaching right now. Therefore, David ran and he stood on the Philistine and he took out a store, sword and he drew it out of the sheath thereof and he slew him and he cut off his head. And when the Philistines saw their champion was dead, they fled. <laughs> See, I, I just feel like we're, 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 we're too busy like getting on Facebook and being like, you need to do better. You know, I was like, this, that lifestyle is bad. And we're just like throwing, you know, just being upset at the enemy. And, and David's like, no, let's bring down their giants. If you want to shut the mouth of the entire army, shut down their champion. But you know what? I've got good news, guys. Because my God is a God of war. Mm-hmm. He is... The king, as the, 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 this passage, it was he was the king of the kings and the, the lord of the rulers. He is, he is the one that fights with me and he's the one that stands with me. It's God's, when God is at work, the enemy runs. And guys, I think the fact that we keep seeing the enemy push us around is just a reminder that we let the enemy push us around. And, and, and people can say, you're just all hyper-spiritual. No, I, I just know the Bible. I, I'm reading it. I'm studying it. Guys, we're here on Wednesday night. Not to sit there and go, well, that's another cute name of God. No. You need to know who fights for you and who stands with you. You need to know this. We say all this, oh, the devil's really working. Things are bad. Well, what are we going to do about it? This is one of my favorite parts. This is one of my favorite parts. Watch this. And the men of Israel in Judah rose and they shouted and they pursued the Philistine. Where was all the other generation? Where was all the people? Of, where was all God's people? They were all right here, guys. But you know what? If there's people that stand up and just go out in the name of the Lord of hosts, it inspires the next generation to get up, praise God, and run forward. 
I'm not just making that up. They arose, they shouted, and they pursued. They arose, they shouted, and they pursued. Why did they do that? Because a boy with a bag of cheese showed up knowing that he represented the Lord of hosts. Made all the difference in the world. They saw a victory. They saw the power of God. They saw what God could do. And, and I think this is such a big thing of this. It just, when we talk about singing the songs and we talk about the, the, the power of God and we talk about what God can do, why is it always behind the scenes, guys? Why, why do we let it to be this? Giants really fall and enemies really get pushed back. It's, I don't understand why in the world we allow to, to be defeated in this world when we serve the Master. And, and so, and I'm not just talking about my circumstances, I'm talking about in every, I'm talking about our kids. I think about the kids that are in this class normally right now, and they're, they're being bullied at school, and they're being uh, peer pressured and everything else, and we're just like, things are really bad, but God is still really good and powerful and mighty that's who he is let me let me close this up with some application why was david such a great warrior first chronicles 11:9 so david waxed greater and greater wow what an awesome god for the lord of hosts was with him do you guys get it yes david was able to be a leader of leaders of leaders and brought down many enemies and many wars and all those other things. Do you know the only time that David began to lose wars? Can anybody tell me? When he stayed home and stopped doing what God's called him to do. And God's like, I can't, take, I can't put my hand on you because David, it was never you. It was never you. Guys, it's not us. It's never been about us. It's never been about Fellowship Baptist Church. It's always been about the God of Fellowship Baptist Church. That's who it is. So let me, let me give you some application. Here's New Testament, okay? What shall we say then uh, to these things? Because if God be for us, who can be against us? That is the Lord of hosts. I was doing my devotions a couple weeks ago, and I marked this verse to share with you guys tonight. So let me finish with this. This is just straight on in my devotionals, and it just touched my heart because it combined with this. For he shall give his angels charge over thee to keep thee in all thy ways. Why? And God says this, because he has set his love upon me. Therefore will I deliver him. I will set him on high because he hath known my name. Do you think it's a big deal to do what we're doing tonight? Do you know why I will drill you guys and say who created out there? What does it mean, El Roy? Why is it a matter of Jehovah? Tell me about the name El Shaddai. Tell me who's Adonai. Because of the fact is, my God has a name on purpose and His name holds power. His name makes a difference. His name is, 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 is changing things. David went out there with a warrior uh, of the Lord of hosts because he was using the one name that represented the God of battle. Verse 15, He shall call upon me. God is the Lord of hosts. I need you because I'm outnumbered. God is the Lord of hosts. I come upon you because you are the one that can bring down the champion of this world. I need you to bring down a champion of this world. And I will answer him 
and I will be with him in trouble, and I will deliver him and honor him. The Lord of hosts.